Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life can be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. All right. Well, good morning. It's good to see you here today. Aren't you? Don't, don't kids just say it so much better than we could ever say things sometimes? I'm so thankful that I that God has planted me in a church that puts others above themselves, who are generous, who are loving, who will take something like Black History Month and put it at the forefront so that we don't repeat history. We, it, it, it's good for us to be educated on what has happened in our history so that we don't repeat it, right? And then at the end of the month, we're going to celebrate International Sunday that we can celebrate all walks of life. We can celebrate all cultures. And I'm just so thankful because this, look around, this is what heaven's going to look like. Our God is a creative God, and he is a God of diversity. So we're all, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like this when we get to heaven. So I'm so excited about that. Are you excited about there's not a whole lot of seats in this place? I need you to get excited because that is awesome. I mean, you're only one service. The first service is, there's even less seats in first service. And I'm so excited about the growth that the Father's House is going through. We've been, we've been steadily growing for quite some time now. I mean, even through COVID, we grew here at the Father's House. And um, so Pastor Terry has announced that on Easter Sunday, because we want to be prepared for every person that God is going to send here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to add a third service on Easter morning. We're going to add a 7.30 service. We're going to have a 7.30, a 9, and an 11. So we'll have three opportunities to hear the word. You'll have three different times that you can invite people to come and hear the gospel. And isn't that exciting? Isn't it exciting that God is bringing so many people to the Father's house and we're going to be good stewards of those people. Did you bring your Bible today? If you didn't bring your Bible, maybe you have it on your phone or your iPad, wherever you've got it. Let's hold it up and let's say this confession. We don't say this just to say it. We say it so that we can get ourselves in the right frame of mind so that we hear from the Word of God. All right, let's all say it together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we are here to hear from you. That's the purpose of why we came to this place today. We want to grow the things of you. We want to learn more about you. We want to learn more about who you are and who you say that we are. Father, these words are just words without you that have been put into a machine. And Father, I pray your anointing over this machine, over the words that are going to be spoken today. Father, let us have ears to hear and not just to hear, but that we would do something about it. And we just thank you for everything that you've already done in this place in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, we've been in a series called Extreme Makeover. Um, First in January was 
Extreme Makeover Internal Edition, and then Extreme Makeover this month is Relationships Edition. Um, we just started the season two last week, but if you've missed any of them, I encourage you to go back to thefathershouse.com and go back in the archives and get caught up. You're going to um, not be sad that you did that. Um, before, I, before I keep, before I move on though, I have to, I have to get this out of the way because <clears throat> you don't know this, but I have a second job and um, after I teach here, I'm going to get on a plane and fly to Vegas because I'm refing the game tonight. <laughs> Representing our chiefs. Yep. So I was, I was going to say something, but sir, you have a 49er shirt on. You're pretty big, and I'm afraid that you're going to tackle me. So I'm not going to start talking trash about the game tonight. So we'll just leave it at that. I'm going to ref the game, okay? <clears throat> I'm gonna, I had to tell you something funny because it's getting ready to get deep and hard. So we need to laugh some when that happens because I'm, I'm going to tell you that what you're going to hear today will be easy to sit here and listen to and hear, but it will be hard to walk it out. Because today we're going to talk about the F word. Some of you just, some of you just woke up. You, you aren't paying attention. You're like, did she really just say that? Yes. We're going to talk about the word forgiveness. Thank you for those of you who uh, engaged online on Facebook that the question that was put out is how hard is it for you to forgive on a scale from one to 10, one being the easiest, 10 being the hardest. And I saw some recurring answers. One was depends, um, depends on the situation, severity, how many times the offense has occurred. Um, a lot of you said it's not easy to forgive myself. And I gotta, I gotta be honest, I can fall in that category as well. We are, we tend to be very critical of ourselves, don't we? Um, but this week I heard Holy Spirit say, when I was sort of wrestling with that, I heard, heard the Holy Spirit say, um, are your standards higher than mine? And I thought, no, <laughs> not even close. So we've got to ask God in those situations where we're feeling like we are struggling to forgive ourselves. We've got to ask Holy Spirit, reveal to me what's going on underneath the surface. Is there a lie that you or I have believed in that um, is causing us to get stuck in that unforgiveness of ourselves, not being able to let it go? So let's talk today, first of all, what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And I want to talk first about what it isn't. You'll see on your notes there, if you grab one of um, those pieces of paper on your way in, you'll see on there or on the screen that forgiveness is not justifying someone's actions. Because you forgive doesn't mean that you justify what they've done. Um, it's not letting them off the hook. It's not letting them off the hook. Uh, it's not a guarantee of reconciliation because what I know about reconciliation is it, caused, it, it takes two people to be reconciled. And then that leads into, it's not a guarantee that we'll do life together. I added a fifth one, and I want you to write this one down. This is the one that I'm adding. Forgiving is not necessarily forgetting. It's not necessarily forgetting. See, it depends on how you're defining forgetting, because we can't selectively delete events from our life. If we completely had no recollection about every single wrong done to us, how would we know what boundaries to put in place? Um, that's not really a healthy way to live within the context of relationships. See, the forgetting part of forgiving looks more like not becoming a slave to the past, not getting stuck in the hurt and being able to move forward. 
Because forgiveness is about freedom. Forgiveness is about freedom. Forgiveness is a way of life. Matthew 18 says this, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. I want to stop right there in the middle of that because what Peter is doing is he would have known that the rabbis taught that after three times of an offense, wash your hands of the person and you're done. So he's thinking, well, I'll double it plus one and I'll get an attaboy. I'll get a, you know, I'll get a pat on the back there. I'm going to say, oh, how much is it? Seven times? Jesus says, no. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, Jesus is not suggesting here that we take, a, take this as a mathematical equation, okay? Some of you, you've read that and you're thinking to yourself, 70 times seven, that's 490, so 491, I'm good, I'm done. That's not what he's saying. I mean, he's talking about one person sinning against you 70 times seven in one day, and that's only one person, one person. And it's the same thing over and over and over again. I don't know that someone has done 70 times seven to me over and over and over again in one day. No, what he's saying is, Peter, not on the fourth time, not on the eighth time, not on the 491st time, but it's a way of life. Forgiveness should flow out of you. Forgiveness should flow out of you. So why should we forgive? So glad you asked. Well, God said to. Really, we could just pack up right here with that one statement and we could go home and live it out. Because God said to. If only we could live with more of an attitude if God said it, do it. We don't always have to know why. We don't always have to understand it. We just need to be willing to obey him. Those of us parents know what I'm talking about. Those of us that are parents in the room, grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. Your kid comes to you and they're like, why? But why? But why? But why do I have to do that? But why? And what do you say to them in response? Because I said so. Just trust me and do it because I said so. God's the same way with us. He doesn't have to explain himself all the time. He just wants us to trust him because he's good because he's wise, because he's all all loving, and everything he asks us to do or how he tells us we should live our lives is for my benefit, and it's for your benefit. (laughs) Ephesians 4 says, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language, be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another, and here it is, readily and freely, it's a flow, it's a way of life, as God in Christ forgave you. I don't think it's a mistake that bitterness comes first in this passage. Because bitterness can be directly traced to the failure to forgive. It makes you caustic, sarcastic, condemning, and downright nasty at times. Harassed by the memories of what you can't forgive, your thoughts become malignant towards others and your whole view of life becomes distorted. Here's a great quote by Benjamin Franklin. Write your injuries in dust, your benefits in marble. Isn't that good? 
Write your injuries in dust, your benefits in marble. The second reason we should forgive is because your faith won't work if you don't. Galatians 5, 6 says, For if we are in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. See, faith, can't, faith can only work through love. I can't go to, to God with a heart full of anger and bitterness and all kinds of ugly things down in there and expect my faith to have any power. But if I go to him walking in love and ask him to do things for me, he, he, then he can hear and answer those prayers. If we're living in unforgiveness, essentially we're living void of love. If we're living in unforgiveness, essentially we're living void of love. And if there is no love, how can faith be activated, energized, and expressed? Faith is not energized by anger, resentment, unforgiveness, offense, or bitterness. Are you following with what I'm saying? Are you, are you getting this? So some of you thought that you came to a cooking class today, and you didn't. Um, I, the, these potatoes are kind of like what could be represented as offenses. Now, can I tell you that the moment that you opened up your eyes and you woke up this morning, offense was coming for you? Every day, offense is coming for you. It's inevitable. The question is, what are you going to do when those offenses come? Because inevitably, you're going to have a conversation with your spouse, and your spouse is going to say something not what you would want to hear, and that could be an offense, right? You're going to drive in the villages at some point. <laughs> Sorry, villagers. I feel like we pick on you. I actually live just north of the villages, so I can speak to this because I drive it every day. But you're going to drive in the village or wherever you're going to drive, and someone's going to cut you off. Somebody is going to roll down their window and scream. They're going to scream stuff at you. <laughs> They're going to use some hand gestures, and you have the opportunity, you have the choice to take that as an offense. You're going to go to work, and you've got these people called coworkers, and you might have come up with the most brilliant idea ever. You're coming in to present it to your boss, but you told your coworker the other day, and they got there before you did, and they told it. And they got the brilliant gold star for the day. And they actually got the promotion you were up for. Offense. Ten years ago, your spouse cheated on you. Left you with the kids, with a mortgage, car payments. And just said, I'm out. I don't love you anymore. Offense that you can take on. Back in high school, your best friend said some nasty stuff about you, spread some rumors, and you're still holding on to that offense from all those years ago. Maybe at one point, you made a decision to have an abortion, and you can't forgive yourself, and into the bag, an offense goes. 
all of these offenses that we can accumulate all day long, we, they're coming. Are you filling up your bag or are you letting them go? Because if you're not letting them go, this is what you look like. You're carrying around a bag of offenses. Now, this bag isn't too heavy right now. It's not that I can't carry it. But if I continue to carry this the entire time I taught all day today, all into the night before I went to bed and then I put it down, I would get tired. This is not energizing to me. Not only that, at some point, these potatoes are going to begin to rot. The longer they stay in this bag, the quicker they're going to begin to rot. And have you ever smelled rotted potatoes? I'm going to cause every single one of y'all to go home and look in the pantry and make sure that your potatoes are not rotten. Did you know that when I was researching for this and I was looking up about potatoes rotting, it's funny when you're preparing for teaching the things that you will find and you know, come up against. I did not know this. Maybe some of you do. I didn't know. But when a potato rots at a certain point, it will begin to give off a gas. It's a really long word and I can't pronounce it, so I'm not even going to attempt it but it will produce this kind of a gas that's actually toxic to people and in large amounts can be fatal. So if you're carrying around a bag for 5, 10, 12, 65 years, how stinky and rotten is your bag? And how many relationships have gone to the wayside because of it? We've got to get rid of that sack of potatoes. On top of that, I don't want to open the door for Satan to work in my life. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, forgive in order that Satan might not outwit you, for we are not aware of his schemes. Forgive so that you give the devil no opportunity into your life. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. I think we have swung the pendulum too far on the emotion side of that we think that in order to be a Christian and to be godly, that we can't ever experience anger. God gave us emotion. Do you think that when you read in your Bible, when Jesus went to the temple and he flipped the tables, do you think that he was singing a happy song and dancing around? He was angry. He was angry, but he did not sin in his anger. So how can I be angry and not sin? Well, here's the key. Just because you feel angry doesn't mean you can't control it. You can say to God, I feel so angry about this, but I'm choosing to let it go. Now, that doesn't mean that your feelings will change right away. In fact, they may not change for quite some time. But if you choose to do what God tells you to do, your feelings will always catch up with your choice. Listen to me. They will always catch up with your choice. 
If they haven't caught up with your choice, you need to stick it out because eventually your feelings will catch up with your choice. Why? Because every time I choose to do it God's way, he's changing me more and more and more and more into and being conformed to his likeness, his ways, what he says. You maybe can't help what you feel, but you can choose what to do. Verse 26 says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know why? Because whatever you go to bed with is what you're going to wake up with. Don't give the devil any kind of a foothold. Proverbs 14.30 says, a calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. But envy, jealousy, and wrath or anger are like rottenness of the bones. Those rotten potatoes. When we look at that, who wants that? Do you want that? I don't want that. Now, I can stay angry if I want to. I can even so far as hate someone for the rest of my life if I want to. But I don't have to if I don't want to either. See, what you need to know right now, I really believe that the enemy has lied to many of you, is you don't have to be chained to what that person said. You don't have to be chained to the hurt that was done to you. You don't have to be chained to the past. You can choose to let it go. Letting it go doesn't get them off the hook. God will deal with them. Letting it go doesn't mean that there's gonna be a guarantee that we're gonna do life together. Remember, we talked about that. It's not justifying their actions. Every time we choose to do what's right according to his truth, he will always help us do it. So you're not doing it. You're not out there somewhere doing this by yourself. Maybe you are. Well, let me tell you today, there's someone who wants to walk alongside you. Not only walk alongside you, he wants to walk in front of you. He wants to walk behind you. And even sometimes he wants to carry you. Another reason we should forgive is because unforgiveness grieves Holy Spirit. As a believer, Holy Spirit lives inside you, and he is so precious and so wonderful. He's our comforter. He's our helper. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He deals with us in such a gentle way, and we should not grieve him. Ephesians 4 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him by whom you are sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. So here it is again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding, and slander be put away from you, along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, malevolence. Did you know that also unforgiveness will hinder your worship? In Matthew 5, the message says it like this. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Now, this is taking it to a whole other level because Jesus is saying, if you are aware someone else is upset with you, it's your responsibility to go to them and make it right. So let me ask you this. Could that possibly mean that maybe even though it might have been their fault, 
that as followers of Christ, he's in fact saying we should still go and humble ourselves and say, I want to make peace. God forgives, and we need to learn how to forgive also, and we need to do it quickly. Anything that God tells us to do, we can because he gives us grace, which is the power and the ability to do it. So it really isn't a matter of I can't. It's not a matter of you can't today, but that we refuse to. So here are three practical steps to living a life of forgiveness. And the first step that we have to do is we have to decide to forgive. We have to decide to forgive. Just like when I was talking about the potatoes, that offense is coming for you today. If it hasn't happened yet, when you walk out those doors, offense is coming at some point. You will have the opportunity to be offended today before the sun goes down. But you have to decide to forgive. And something that I have learned in my own life, that when you have to make those big decisions, those what could be life-altering decisions, they can't be made in the heat of the moment. Because oftentimes in the heat of the moment, we'll go with what we feel. We won't go with what's right. We won't go with what God says. We'll go with what we feel. We'll go with the flesh. We'll go what makes us feel better about ourselves or about the situation. So we've got to pre-decide. Are you going to just live the rest of the day just by chance that if you become offended? And who knows what the offense is going to be? Who knows if tonight a family member of yours will be killed in a car accident because of a drunk driver? That's more of a severe situation that I'm called to give forgiveness to. You don't know. So instead, let's choose when we get up in the morning as part of starting our day with God and say, God, I choose today, this day, today, and I'm going to choose it again tomorrow. But today, right now, I'm going to choose to live unoffended. I'm going to choose to forgive. Now, don't start there. Don't stop there because you're going to walk out of your house and without calling on the Holy Spirit for help, you're going to fail. We've got to ask Holy Spirit. We've got to invite him into every, every aspect of our life all day long. So you made a predecision. Here comes that coworker that you can't stand. Under your breath, Holy Spirit, help me. I said that I chose to live unoffended today. I chose, I'm choosing forgiveness today. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is an action, and it begins with a decision. That first step is to decide. Thank God we have free will. I know sometimes we don't like free will. We would like for God to just tell us what to do and make us do it because it would be a lot easier. But he gave us this gift of free will. He trusted us enough that he gave us the ability to choose we're not robots. You're not a robot. I'm not a robot. He didn't create robots. He doesn't make you forgive. He doesn't make us serve him. But he does say, I set before you life and death. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. 
you and I don't have to feel like what's, we, we don't have to feel like doing what's right in order to do what's right. I don't have to feel like doing it. I don't have to think it's a good idea. I don't even have to want to. All I need to do is to make a decision and do what God has told me to do. Why? Because I trust him. I trust him. I trust that he's good and he's got my best interest in mind. When I know what he said about the way I should live, it honestly makes my decisions easier. I don't have to figure out what's right and then wonder or worry about whether or not what I, cho what I chose, what was right, was really right. Right? I don't have to decide based on my feelings. Good Lord, if you and I did that, we'd be all over the place. And unfortunately, some of you are here in that place right now where you're all over the place. And it's because you're allowing your feelings to dictate your decisions instead of what God has said. God is willing to help you. God's willing to help me every single second of the day. But we have to ask ourselves this question, am I willing to do it his way? The second step is we've got to depend on him. We've got to first decide that that's what we're going to do. And then, as I said before, we've got to invite the Holy Spirit. We've got to depend on him. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I to you, you will produce plenty of fruit. But separated from me, you won't be able to do anything. So if all we do is offer up a prayer in the morning and then we walk our own way the rest of the day, separated from him, his wisdom, his guidance, his whispering, his prompting, we won't be able to do anything. Now the third step is a two-step process. We've got to bless and pray for those who hurt us. Matthew 5:43 says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I want to talk about praying first. Pray in this passage is in the, is, in the Greek is the word prosukomai. And I'm going to tell you what, when you actually sit down and really want to dig in, not just read it, not just read the word, just to read the word that you, you, you know, you check off your to-do list for the day, but you come with this hunger of wanting to know more, of wanting to go deeper. He will show you things way below the surface. And that's where he wants us to get is way below the surface. But this word in Greek, prosukomai, pros, it's a two-part, pros meaning, meaning towards or exchange, and eukomai meaning to wish. This word literally means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for his as he imparts faith. Where did I get the as he imparts faith? Well, because pray or prosukomai is interconnected with the Greek word pistis, which is faith in the New Testament. This is why it's so important that we pray. This is why he said this. He didn't say it just to say it, that you just need to offer up a cute, pretty, flowery prayer. 
And oftentimes, I think that we can read that and we can say, okay, well, God says that I'm supposed to pray for that person. And so then I start to do this. Okay, Lord, I pray that you would show them what they did wrong. And I pray that you would change their thinking and change the ways that they, would, that they wouldn't do it again, that they wouldn't do it. Well, I mean, those are great things to pray. I mean, that's what we want. But that's not what he's saying here. No, he's saying, you need to come to me so that we can exchange your thoughts, your wishes on the situation, your ideas about your, I'm going to throw this in there too, your feelings about the situation, and I want to exchange them for mine, for mine. Because his, Jennifer said it earlier, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. We've got to go to him. That's part of renewing our mind every single day. And we've got to renew our, renew our mind sometimes every single second of the day because of things that, that come at us. Praying for others may or may not change them, but it will always change you. Always, always change you. Now, what does it mean in this verse to bless? The word bless in verse 44 literally means to speak well of. So it's not that you go into prayer and you say, oh, Lord, bless this person. Let's just be honest. When we're probably going to them, we're like, oh, bless them. I guess, bless them. <laughs> just bless them. What, is that? what does that even mean? What, what do you, what do you, bless them. And what he's saying is, is that, you're to speak well of. So that means that you and I, as followers of Christ, we don't get to talk bad about the person. We don't get to. And I'm not standing up here saying that I'm some perfect person and that I don't struggle in that area at times myself because I'd be lying if I said that. But here's the thing. We've got the flesh and the war about the flesh and the spirit battling and warring against each other. So when someone hurts me, what do I want to do? What do you want to do? I want to go and tell somebody. I want to go and tell a friend. I can't believe this, this hurts so bad. But what God wants us to do is he wants us to come to him. Come to him and tell him. See, I heard someone say a, a few weeks ago when I was studying for this, and he was talking about how, you know, this war between the flesh and the spirit and everything within me wars against that, that wars against that speaking well of the person because we're so oriented with one another, we've got to get to the place where we are more oriented with God. And will it sustain you that God knows what happened? that God sees your hurt, that God empathizes with that hurt, and that God will comfort like only he can comfort. That's where we've got to get to. I'm not there yet. Anybody else? I'm not there yet. Listen to this quote by John Chrysostom. He was an early 5th century Archbishop of Constantinople, and he wrote this. This is so good. What then are God's good deeds? He created us from nothing. He made the whole visible world for us. He made the heaven, the sea, the earth, the animals, plants, and seeds. I must be brief because of the infinite number of his works. Into us alone, of all that are on the earth, he breathed 
a living soul. He planted a garden for us. He gave us a helpmate and set us over all the brute species and crowned us with glory and honor. And yet after all this, when humanity turned out ungrateful towards its benefactor, he thought us worthy of an even greater gift, forgiveness. Some of you are sitting here thinking today, well, this has been a cute and great little outline for other people, Andrea, but you don't know what someone did to me. And look at me, I don't. I don't know what someone has done to you, but I do know hurt, I do know pain, and I do know how impossible it can seem to let all of that go. But Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's saying, I want to get you through what you don't think you can get through. And I know some of you here this morning, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching and listening online, I know some of you have been struggling in this area for a very long time. You've got some hurt and you've got some unforgiveness that Holy Spirit has been tugging on your heart even before today. That you need to let go of some things and you've actually gotten to the point where you're tired of carrying the burden. I'm gonna ask you to do something today that might be a bit uncomfortable. But can I tell you that sometimes we have to do what's uncomfortable to get free. I'm gonna ask you that if that's you today, if you've been struggling with unforgiveness, I want you right where you're sitting, I want you to stand to your feet. Now listen, don't listen to the enemy tell you that people are gonna think something different about you if you stand up. Don't listen to the enemy that would tell you that there is shame and condemnation attached to it because you've struggled in this area. That's not from God. The enemy would love nothing more than for every single one of us to be stuck in bitterness and unforgiveness. But this moment right now is about freedom. It's about freedom, but you have to choose to step out of the prison of unforgiveness. I believe that there are more people here this morning that need to be standing. And I'm gonna give just a few more moments for Holy Spirit to speak to you. There is no shame or condemnation that you struggle in this area. Many times over my life, I have struggled in this area to forgive. I want to lead you in a prayer today. I want you to repeat this after me. God, I'm ready to stop pretending. Like pain in my past is not affecting my present. Please forgive me for holding on to unforgiveness. Today I declare I am getting rid of this unforgiveness and letting go of this hurt and anger. I completely forgive. Now you have to put the person's name in there. In Jesus' name.
and thank you that you are healing these wounds that have been inflicted. I thank you that you are making me whole and setting me free. I declare that I am giving up my right to judge or punish this person. I completely forgive. It's all in your hands now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's the start of freedom today. You can have a seat. That's the start of freedom today. And I had them put that prayer on the screen. You can take out your phone, take a screenshot of that because today you may have to pray this prayer multiple times a day. Can I just tell you that just because you pray something doesn't mean instantaneous change comes. It's a process because you're in process and you're growing. There may come a time that maybe you didn't have to stand today and say that prayer, but maybe you want to take a screenshot of that, take a picture of that prayer as well, because there may be some day where you need to pray and confess that. Bottom line today, forgiven people forgive. Question is, have you been forgiven? There's a story of a little boy that I heard who was visiting his grandparents and he was given his first slingshot. He would practice in the woods, but he could never quite seem to hit his target. It was becoming quite frustrating to him. As he came back to grandma's backyard, he spied her pet duck in the backyard. On an impulse, he took aim and let it fly. The stone this time actually hit its target. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the dead duck in the woodpile, only to look and see his sister had been watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, oh no, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. To which she looked at Johnny and said, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. <laughs> And later, Grandpa said, he asked the kids, you want to go fishing? And Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of, Grandma. Johnny wants to do it. She looked at him and said, remember the duck. Johnny stayed a while, stayed while Sally went fishing. And after several days of Johnny doing his chores plus her chores, he just couldn't take it anymore. He confessed to Grandma that he had killed her duck. I know, Johnny, she said. Giving him a hug, she said, I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing, but because I love you, I forgave you. I just wondered how long you would let Sally make you a slave. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. I'm gonna pose that question to you here today. Those of you that maybe have not accepted Christ, you have not accepted that free gift of forgiveness. You've just been kind of doing your own thing. Maybe you did at one time, but you have walked so far away from him, you don't even think that you can see him anymore. I'm gonna ask that question to you. How long, how long will you let slave let sin make you a slave. 
How long will you let that hurt make you a slave? How long will you let the sin of others make you a slave? How long will you allow addiction to make you a slave? You see, over 2,000 years ago, forgiveness was already given. God, because he is so rich in mercy and in love, when sin entered the world, there needed to have been payment for that sin. He couldn't stand the thought of you and I never being able to have relationship with him. He couldn't bear the thought that that relationship would not be restored. So he put a plan in motion. He sent his son, Jesus, who was fully God, yet fully man. Jesus came to this earth. He put on an earth suit. He limited himself and became human for you and for me. He died for us because in order for sin to be taken care of, a man had to die. Because the sins of man, a man had to die. So over 2,000 years ago, he hung on a cross. And with the joy set before him, he endured it. When he breathed his last breath, he said, it is finished. No longer do any one of us have to choose to sit in shame, condemnation, in addiction. We no longer are slaves. He, he, he had the key. He opened up the door. He opened up the prison door. He flung it wide open when he died for you and me. Now all we have to do is receive that free gift of forgiveness and that free gift of salvation. See, I said it before, forgiven people forgive, but if you've never been forgiven, truly forgiven by the Savior, you don't know what true forgiveness is. So how could you even give forgiveness? So if that's you today, if you find yourself in that spot, you find yourself in like, so to speak, this rat race, you're going around the mountain over and over and over. You've been trying to do it your own way and you just can't seem to get ahead. You just can't seem to let that thing go. Today's your day that when you exchange your life for his, you begin to live. No longer do you have to be chained to sin. So if that's you today, I just want you to boldly just raise your hand right where you're sitting. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to, I see that hand. Thank you. I'm not going to ask you to tell a speech, give us a speech. I just want to give you the opportunity. I see that hand. Yes, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I want to give you the opportunity to live a better life. I don't want to see any one of us chained to the things of yesterday. I want to see every single person living a life of joy, of freedom. So anyone else want to, want to join the, the rest? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I can give you the words to say, but I can't give you the heart behind it. That's got to come from you. These words aren't magical in and of themselves. And remember, I said, you don't have to do anything 
but believe and receive. So let's all say this together. Everyone in the room, even if you're watching online and you've made that decision, say this out loud with us. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me. And I believe you paid for my sin. I've lived a sinful life. And I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I want to turn my life around. But I need you to help me. Come into my life. Live in me. I give myself to you right now. And I receive you as my very own. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I believe I am on my way to heaven. And I'm going to enjoy the journey with you. In Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people said, amen. Yeah, come on, let's celebrate. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.